amazing. amazing. I still do, but it's now pig or horse with the grandkids. Um, so I was a bench warmer. One time in a varsity game, believe it or not, I got in. I got in, and the old, only reason I got in was there was a fight, and most of the starters on our team got kicked out. So Tim got in, and I made six points. Now, you know if you remember back that far, those details, you loved it. You absolutely loved basketball. So uh, I feel a little bit like uh, coming off the bench this morning. Um, Brother Greg called yesterday afternoon, Lena, about 2.30, and uh, told me um, that uh, obviously he wasn't able to be here. He's recovering. Uh, Cody is in Utah, so um, and um, our uh, associational director, um, Steve Renfro, could preach the first service but not the second, so I'm number four on the list, <laughs> so please bear with me and tolerate me. And you know, this is a different setting today, isn't it? We don't have the full complement of, uh, of the singers and so forth, but uh, guess who is here? Jesus. Jesus and his word is here. So that's what we're going to concentrate on this morning. Hey, and whenever you think of me or the Fritchie family over the course of the next few days, one of my favorite things to do with a, one of our grandsons, his name is Curtis, uh, he, and he loves basketball more than anything. You know, uh, as a seventh or eighth grader, he told me he was going to play in the NBA. And he, knew, he knows all the numbers, all the stats, Steph Curry and all those guys. Um, and we play horse together. And uh, we, I could hold my own pretty well, but uh, lately, not, not at all. He's, he's schooling me. So uh, pray for him. He is in a bad situation right now. He uh, made some, unfortunately made some bad decisions and is uh, paying the price for it right now along with the family. So Curtis Fritchie, if you would pray for him um, that would be much appreciated. Long story short, Jesus saved me by his atoning death on the cross as a teenager next door. Brother Armstrong was preaching. On May 25th, the Lord rescued me. He spared my life. I have never in my entire 71 years gone through what I have gone through, Jason, medically since May 25th of this year, just this past May. So uh, obviously May 25th is a day I will never forget. And um, I've got a lot of written notes here, so I'm going to go slow so I can read these, and, and, and I, I don't want to mess, miss anything because I think God has given me a word that is beneficial to us all. The Bible said that his word would not return void. So if we name the word, we're going to do good. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. May 25th, 2022 is a day, Wednesday, I will never forget. My personal world was turned upside down. You see, I'm off in the summer times. I've got a job that works me during the school year, and off, I'm off in the summertime. So uh, Lena and I had our entire summer mapped out. We had trips to the lake. We had camping trips with the grandchildren. 
a lot of chores I was going to do at home. And these were all written on the calendar in ink. Nothing was going to change these. Not a thing was going to change these. I was excited. Then one morning, May 25th, harsh reality struck, which did away with all those plans, even though they were in ink. Like a phone call many of you have received during your life, announcing the news of a family calamity. If we've lived very long, we each have experienced that. And we can remember the time and place that, when we, that we received that phone call. That's how that morning was for me. John 16.33, New Testament, John 16.33, in part reads, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Spoken by Jesus. Trouble. There's a song, old country song. What's the guy's name? T R O U B L E. <laughs> um, who is it? Travis Tread. Old Travis. Yeah, okay. Um, trouble takes many forms. Many of you in here have suffered beyond what I'm, I have gone through immensely more. Trouble, a health crisis, loss of a dear loved one a troubled child, a troubled grandchild, financial calamity, loss of job, divorce. We could go on and on. And Jesus said in this world, we will have trouble, but for the believer, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Our hope is in Jesus. Um, this morning, um, I'd like to, for us to read a parable um, that Jesus spoke um, about a man unnamed. It's a parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And uh, this individual is known simply as the Good Samaritan. So um, if we could, I don't have it up on the screen. <laughs> so let's turn on our Bibles, Luke 10, 25. And, uh, and I'd like to go ahead and, and read that entire passage. I hear pages rustling. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Word of God reads, on one occasion an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, the lawyer answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replied, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he, the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and just who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. 
A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wound, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Jesus said, Which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Okay. Um, Earthly story with a heavenly meeting. A little bit of background. Jerusalem is north of Jericho. It was a trade route. Um, The length of the travel was about 18 miles, and uh, by foot it would take maybe eight hours to travel. It was a desert area, void of any vegetation, no trees for shelter, no streams for watering, and rough terrain, a place where people could hide and attack. Uh, it, It was in parts narrow, so that uh, if people were passing by in the opposite direction of each other, they would have to almost rub shoulders to get through. Um, Let's digress a little bit on the verses. Verse 25 says, an expert in the law. And I I think this was uh, what is later called, or another passage called, lawyers uh, in the law, the Hebrew law, of the Ten Commandments. He quoted one of the Ten Commandments, didn't he? Um, His motive was not to learn the truth. I don't think he went to Jesus wanting to know the truth. I think he was going to Jesus to try to trap him or discredit him, wasn't he? Wanting to do away with Jesus, prove that he was wrong, that he was not the Messiah who he said and lived out that he was. This man's motives were selfish, and self-serving. Motives reveal much about our character, don't they? Why we're doing what we do. So his motive was not good. His motive was evil and self-serving. So he he was just trying to to put Jesus down. Verse 26, um, verse 26, Jesus answered a question with a question. That ever happened to you? Well, the ball's in your court. What do you think? What do you think? Trying to make a person think, perhaps. In other words, you know so much, you tell me. And I'll ask the husbands this question. Has that ever happened to you at home? You know, uh, amen, there's an amen. You know so much, you tell me. Okay, big guy. All righty. Um, Verse 27 is is noteworthy. 
Um, his answer, the lawyer's question, uh, answer was, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, by, by not ahead, by, if you go like this, your answer is true. Was this a correct answer? Everybody's saying yeah. He answered correctly. I see Lily out there nodding. Thank you, Lily. That's very good. Okay. Uh, he answered correctly, but I believe he was answering with his mind, not his heart, because his motives were not pure, were they? Um, he probably would have got an A-plus on a term paper for the right answer, but would have gone out and never lived it. Just aced the test, and that was it. Put the books away, school's out. Summer's here. Okay. Um, and in verse 29, the lawyer didn't know when to walk away. But he says, but, did you ever notice, particularly in the New Testament, when the word but is used? We're about to hear some good news, aren't we? I was lost, but now I am found. I was blind, but now I see. Good news is coming away. Good news. Um, so uh, he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, well, just who is my neighbor? I think he was trying to weasel out of his obligation. Um, he thought, if I can qualify or categorize who my neighbor is, then some people groups that I don't care for would not be worthy of my attention, nor would they be worthy of God's love because I'm special. And you know what? You just don't dress the way I think you ought to dress. You don't talk the way I think you ought to talk. We can be critical in spirit, can't we? We can be judgmental. We can compartmentalize people, and when we do that, we are saying that, God, you made a mistake when you allowed this person to be born. We are not the Holy Spirit. We don't know what's in people's mind. Um, have you ever tried to justify yourself when you know better? You really know what the truth is, but you want to do it so badly you're going to justify yourself. I remember when I was dating my wife, Lena. And by the way, we will be married 50 years, August 12th. Do I have the date right? Okay. <laughs> All righty. I mean, I was head over heels. I was head over heels. Um, I was at her house all the time. And Car Carmen, my sister-in-law, is back with us today. Carmen was a second mother to me. She knows that my mother knew that I was not going to be satisfied every day without going to Lena's house for some time. She resigned herself that Tim is going to be unfit to live with unless he goes and sees Lena for a while. And it was a long-distance phone call from Oxford to Somerville back in those days. So uh, the phone bill was high, so my dad let me know, no, you've got you to put an end to this. Okay. I tried to justify myself to my mother by saying, I, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go, okay? I knew there were chores to do on the farm, but I didn't care. 
I was blind. I was blind to that. Hey, but like, it turned out good. It turned out real good. Looks like it's going to work for Lena and I anyway. Okay, <laughs> verse 30, verse 30. In reply, a man was going down from Jericho, and he fell into the hands of robbers and thieves. Um, if there were a warning sign at, at the beginning, at each end, it might say, warning, travel at your own risk. You know, it seems like there used to be lifeguards at lakes back in my day. Now there's just a sign that says, warning, no lifeguard on duty, swim at your own risk. Okay, so that's how hazardous the road was. And 31 says a priest happened to be going down. This would be a Hebrew, a Jewish priest in the temple, highly regarded, highly respected, in, all, in most cases self-righteous, unapproachable. A priest and a Levite, who is an expert in the law of the tribe of Levi, the Levit Levitical folks that worked in the temple, it says they passed by, okay? I guess they were heading to Jerusalem. The, the, uh, the person that was attacked was heading to Jericho, going down to Jericho. Um, oftentimes the priest would travel that road to go to Jerusalem for observances in the temple. And what did they do? They crossed over on the other side to avoid the person in need. Has this ever happened to you when you were in grade school and you were at the grocery store, Kroger, IGA, whatever, and you spotted, maybe it was in the summertime, you spotted your teacher. If she was over in the bread section, I would get over to the milk section because I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to pass by them. I didn't want anything to do with school during the summertime, Jeff. I hope nobody does that to you, and I don't think they do. Okay, the priest passed by. Why? They knew that if they touched this person that was bleeding and hurting, they would be unclean and unable to serve in the temple. I don't think this was out of good motive, really. I think it was out of selfish. They didn't want to get involved. Um, so... They disqualified themselves. They excused themselves. The priest and the Levi thought, now this, this was profound to me, and maybe it will be to you. The priest and the Levite thought, if I stop, what will happen to me? It's all about me. It's all about what's going to be the consequences for me. And in verse 33, here, here's where the word but. The transitory word but comes in. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, a Samaritan. Good news, good news, somebody, somebody's coming along the way. A Samaritan was considered inferior to the priest and the Levite because Samaritans were by birth not fully Hebrew. They were half-breeds, so to speak. They were looked down upon. There's another story in the Bible, true story in this case, an encounter Jesus had at a well. A woman at the well, Tina. That's right. 
Jesus said to her, give me a drink from the well. And the, uh, the Samaritan woman said, wait, what does a Jew, what place does a Jew have asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink? Well, Jesus shattered the barrier, didn't he? And he shatters the barriers for us today, if we will allow him to. Um, Verse 34, the Samaritan took pity. He wanted, took pity. You know, sometimes we can feel sorry for people, sorry for ourselves, and that's it. We just go around moping and groaning and thinking they'll get by somehow. We take pity. But he had pity to the, to the point where he took action. He said the man dressed his wounds, poured oil, wine into his wounds and um, took him to an inn, took him to the ER maybe. They took me to the ER when I fell, when I had my fall. Um, And I'll tell you a little bit about that more in a few minutes. Took him to the inn to be taken care of and he gave him two, what kind of coins does it say, two um, denarii? Two days' wages for an average working guy back in those days. That, that's saying quite a bit, isn't it? Two days. You only, this week, you only get three days' worth of pay, even though you work two. That's what that was like. Giving a, you ever heard the phrase, put your money where your mouth is? Well, money speaks loudly, doesn't he? And he wasn't afraid to give. And what's, what's more, and he said, Take care of him. Whatever you spend more in his care, when I come back, I'll make it up to you. That's commitment. That's a good Samaritan. Um, The the Samaritan thought, if I don't stop, what will happen to this man? Now, remember, the priest and the Levite said, if I stop, what will happen to me? Uh, the Samaritan said, what will happen to this man if I don't stop? It's not about me. Um, have you ever been a good Samaritan? Have you ever been on the receiving end of interaction with a good, good Samaritan? I have, and I'm going to tell you about it in a few minutes. Okay, verse 36. Let me get my place here. Which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Which of these three? The priest, the Levite, or the good Samaritan? Multiple choice. I like multiple choice questions. Um, Well, you know what? Truth needs no defense. When Jesus asked the lawyer which one was the neighbor to the injured person, the reply could only be the one who showed mercy. The one who showed mercy. You can't argue with the truth. The truth will stand on its own and it'll set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Um, You know, he gave the right answer. He probably would have got another A plus on a test, but it was simply from the head. thinking was, was it James who said, you believe in one God, you do well, 
the devils also believe and tremble. We can believe up here, but if it's not from the heart, we're only going through the motions, aren't we? Wasting our time, wasting our time. A couple of closing thoughts. Some people may help because they expect a reward. Some people may help friends because their friends have helped them and they feel like they owe them back. The Samaritan didn't think about race or religion. He just saw a man who needed help. The Samaritan helped even though he didn't know the injured person and he didn't, uh, he didn't expect a return. Has this ever happened to you? Have you ever helped somebody that you didn't know, maybe in a small way, an encouraging word, help lift something, help carry something, offer a drink, and, and you don't know that person and you never see them again? Did you ever wonder, am I, am I entertaining angels unaware? God sending an angel to test us. Are you, are you from the heart or are you just from the mind? Hmm. He didn't expect a return. And I, and I found this leaping off the page to me. No one would have remembered the good Samaritan if he only had good intentions. Good intentions don't get it done. There is a road paved with good intention that leads to nowhere. Good intentions. Well, I'll get around to it someday, but I got to do these things first. I got these things inked on my calendar. I'm going to do these. <laughs> right? I think we've probably all, all been there, haven't we? I would like to share with you some recent experiences that I have had with a multitude of good Samaritans. I made reference to the date of May 25th, a few minutes ago, a Wednesday morning. I will never forget. Please allow me to share some of the uh, unfolding of, of the hours and days and weeks after that, May 25th, this is August, or this is July 17th. We're, we're almost two months, two months past May 25th. Many of you know that um, um, Lean and I heat our home primarily with firewood. So I'm always looking for wood, okay, trees, so forth. Um, we have a tree in the uh, corner of our lot. We live in Dartown. 177, if, if you guys live in Hamilton, you may go by my house on your way home. Um, the corner of the highway and the side street is a walnut tree that is a nuisance. I've uh, learned that if you plant something near a walnut tree, it will not grow. The walnut, somehow it poisons them. And then you got the walnuts dropping in the fall of the year, and, it, and that's a mess. Too. I know Black Walnut Festival is a big deal, but I, I don't like walnuts. I don't like walnuts. Um, so we thought, we need to cut this tree down. So I'm an expert at cutting trees down, OK? 
okay? I've done it ever since my mid-20s. My kids would hate Saturday morning because guess where we went? To the woods to cut tree down, trees down, be 20 degrees outside. When can we go home? Just two more tanks of gas, okay, right? So um, I get this idea, I'm gonna cut this down. So on Monday, I start cutting it down. I'm, I'm taking it down from the bottom by limb because I'm right next to the highway. I don't want it to fall on the highway. Then I'd really be in big trouble, okay? And I don't want it to fall on this chestnut tree that we just planted uh, about two or three years ago. It's really taking, I don't want to ruin that. So I have a couple of extension ladders at home, not real tall, so I'm there cutting the limbs down, you know, and then I, my ladders wouldn't go high enough, so I, I went and borrowed my brother Dick's longer extension ladders, and um, the 25th, I got up, I had my plans, okay? I fixed a leaky supply line can under my sink, which had been leaking for years. It kind of takes packing, you know, it's got a, a nut and you put pack. I was proud of that. I was really proud of that. And then um, I, I, it was time to go to the tree. So um, I get this big, long extension ladder. It would reach up to the, the ceiling here easily. Um, and I cut one limb down, and then uh, Lena's down hauling off brush. She gets the dirty job. Um, then um, I push the ladder up a couple more clicks. Okay, I've done this forever and I've gotten by with it. Okay, my number came up. My number came up. <laughs> so I, I got this small steel limmer chainsaw that has a chain break on it, started it, climbed up the ladder, and as I reached out to set the, ladder, the saw on the limb, the la and I back up, the setting, within six feet, Jerry's seen it, Jerry Peters has seen it. Uh, Earl George is not here. He saw it. Um, within six feet of this, the base of this tree is a pile of boulders. Not gravel, not flat rock. Boulders. I mean, like, you decorative around businesses and stuff. And a steel fence post marking the, the boundary, the corner boundary of, of our, our lot. So as I place that saw on that limb, the ladder spun around that tree, and right there's the rocks and the steel fence post. I knew I was falling. I didn't have, there was no time to grab onto anything. It was too late. It was too, you can't draw water back up over the dam. It was too late. I was going. I don't remember the fall, but I sure remember the landing. <laughs> I landed on my feet, on the grass, to the left of the boulders and the steel fence post, and the saw landed in the opposite direction, still running. Lena said, I'm calling 911. I said, no, no, I'll, I'll be all right. Just let me roll on my back and catch my breath. Well, I was somehow able to roll on my back, and I was afraid to try to move my feet or arms, thinking I might not be able to. Never been there before. Never been in that kind of a situation before. All of a sudden, a man walks up who is my good Samaritan. He was driving north on 177. He lives on Swan Beatty Road. His name is 
Ted. I'm trying to look him up. Okay? He came by and said, can you move your feet? Can you move your arms? And I was able to. My good Samaritan, he, he, was on his, he was on the road, but he came back. He didn't go by. He didn't keep going. God sent an angel. Well, I'll hold that. It was a miracle, God's miracle, that I didn't hit the rocks, the fence post, and this man came by. I said, just help me get up on my feet, walk me to the porch, and I'll be okay. And I'm really thinking, I'm going to finish cutting this tree down, okay? If it wasn't for my brother, it would still be standing. And um, um, I was hurting big time. I, I knew something bad was wrong. And Lena drove the car through the yard to the porch. And um, I got in. She pulled up to the intersection. And I'm, I'm, the bo- I'm usually the boss in the family. Whatever I say, you know, Lena will go along with. Um, we've been married almost 50 years, so it's work. Um, so I'm keeping my mouth I'm thinking she's going to turn left to go to, to Oxford. But I just, I was hurting so bad. For some reason, I didn't say anything. She turned right, heading to Fort Hamilton Hospital. Now, that is a miracle there, which you'll understand shortly. We go there. I feel every bump in the roadway. She pulls up to the ER entrance, walks around, goes in and gets a wheelchair of sorts, comes to get me. And then a a nurse came out and took over. Lena went and parked. And and if you've ever been to the Fort ER, the, the... the parking for the ER is real close to the entrance to the ER. So by the time she gets in to the bay that I'm in, they have me on a bed with oxygen and monitors and so forth, uh, getting ready to take me in for an MRI. As I, as I was wheeled in, there was no one in the waiting room. They took me right by the desk where you have to show your cards and all that stuff. They took me right in. How many times have you been to the ER and you waited an hour because there was a crowd there? Or you didn't have the right card? Or they had to call somebody. They got me right in. Time is of the essence. They got me right in. I think that was a miracle for me. Miracles are unfolding in my life, guys, like crazy. So they take me for, they get you on this flat board, Jason, from your gurney to the flat board to put you in the MRI tube, and I'm thinking, and a caller, I'm thinking, this must be dangerous. If they're doing this stuff, it's, it's serious. It's totally serious. Um, they come back. I come back to my room, and um, a guy said, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but you've got two broken vertebrae, and we can't do a thing for you here. We're sending you to Kettering, Maine near Dayton. So they gave me, um, what's, what's the real potent painkiller? Um, the big one, morphine. They gave me morphine. I, I wasn't hurting after they gave that. I was talking all the way up in the squad car to Dayton. And um, um, they got me in there Wednesday afternoon. Uh, great facility and uh, they did the same thing there. They put me on this flat board, took me to the two floors away, and came back. Didn't tell me anything then. I just 
lay there hurting, the morphine's wearing off by now. And uh, that night, it was dark, I remember that night, one of the uh, surgeon team came in and at my bedside is a screen, a monitor, okay? He showed me the MRI images. Number two was a burst. I've never heard of a burst anything, but what that means, it's in pieces. It's not just cracked. It was in three or more pieces. You could vividly see on the screen. And the other one was a compression fracture. And I just looked up at the man, big guy, and I said, you know, God's got this under control. I'm going to place my trust in him. And he said, yes, God is the hearer of our prayers. And I just sensed, this man's a Christian. He's got to be. And I, I just looked at him and I said, would you pray for me? And he reached out his hand. I know. He reached down his hand and prayed a genuine prayer to the Lord. And that gave me great comfort. I believe God had, there were, there were multiple people on that team. I wonder if God had this person there. Give me another miracle. Okay? The next morning, the next couple of months, I'm not sleeping, you know, because of the pain. Even with three pain medications they're giving me, I'm, st I'm still hurt. Can't, it, when you move an inch, it hurts. Four o'clock in the morning, Lena is there by my bedside reading the Bible, reading the Bible to me. Slept on a cot next to me for a week. Murph and Barb, our brother and sister-in-law, were there every day bringing stuff from the house for Lena, taking care of the house, getting our mail. There's some good Samaritans. There's some good Samaritans. They did surgery on Friday. Um, they, they wheeled me on the gurney down to a lonely place. Nobody was in the room, big room. Nobody was in the room except me. And it was cold there. Um, three people came in, medical people came in, an anesthetist, somebody else who I don't know what they do, and then the surgeon came in. And in each case, I said, before you start, I want to pray for you. That's, I have not done that very often. But you know what? I needed, I needed God. I needed God. I was hurting I prayed, and, and they thanked me, and you could tell who appreciated and who was indifferent to it, okay? Uh, but that's okay. So um, I, I remember, you know, usually when they give, they say, we're giving you something to relax you, and, and you remember them wheeling you in under the big lights, and they're talking and joking, and I don't, I don't remember any of that. All I remember next is waking up in a meat locker temperature room, freezing, like eight warm blankets on me, hurting still. The general's starting to wear off. Go back up to the room. Um, I remember the next morning, they said, you're going to walk now. So they got, I'm hooked up to stuff. And Murph, I maybe walked 20 yards, and I was hurting big time. Each step, short and painful. Um, Sleepless nights. Um, 
Many visitors, even in Dayton, people brought meals to Lena, good Samaritans, because they cared. After a week there, we went to Woodland Manor. I went, well, I'm using the word we because everywhere I was, Lena was. Went to Woodland Manor, which was an answer to prayer. They brought us a list of, re of uh, rehab facilities, and we knew we wanted Woodland because we'd heard so many good things about that facility, and it was close by. So the next day they come in and said, Woodland's available. Sign us up. Sign us up. So uh, we were, oh, I, I arrive at Woodland, still hurting, still hurting, and um, they would bring pain medication as I pushed my button. You know, you got to stay in the bed. You can't get up and go to the bathroom by yourself. Many of you have been there. Um, so uh, I was known by the staff there as the ladder guy. <laughs> uh, and it's the truth. And, and this, is, uh, this is a paradox. When I went to my brother's house to pick up the ladders, there was a, a person cleaning their home who also worked at the nursing home, Woodland Manor. And as they wheeled me in there that evening, um, Tuesday evening, I can't recall her name, she said, do you have a sister or do you know somebody by the name of Carmen Fritchie? And I said, yes, that's my sister-in-law. And she said, didn't I meet you just a couple of days ago? And I thought I recognized I went there to get those ladders. And now here she is taking care of me. <laughs> I wonder if God put her there. I don't know. It, it, it kind of broke the ice a little bit. So I can remember daily walks there with a therapist. Such nice people. My goodness. Some of them had to be Christians. They had to be. And, and I, as I would encounter them, they'd say, how you doing? And I, I would say, thank you. I give all praise to the Lord for the healing that's taken place. In, I mean, when your back is against the wall, you will talk. You will let the words come out. You will let the words come out. Um, so we got home, um, and it was so great to be home after two weeks there. The ride home was bouncy, but I don't mean this to sound graphic, but the best part of being home that first night was laying in the bed next to my wife. <laughs> um, so uh, I would take daily walks around Dartown, flat, flat streets, Gene knows, very little traffic. And uh, Lena, Lena went on a walk with me one day, and short walk, and we were crossing the highway heading toward our house where I fell. And I said, come here a minute. And there's a stump. My brother and nephew came and finished cutting the tree down. There's a stump there. And I said, you tell me how I didn't fall on the rocks or in the highway or on a steel fence post. And she said, God sent an angel to spare your life. God's, and I believe that. I believe that. Hey, while I was in the nursing home, Lena came in one morning and said, I found this note stuck in our door handle. It, it read something like, I was coming back to check on you, and I'm planning on finishing cutting your tree down, but I see 
it's already been done. And it was the guy that was passing by and came back. And isn't that what happened to the Samaritan, to the person that was hurt? He not only took care of him on the spot, but he came back and said, whatever more I owe, I'll settle up with you. Hey, this is God's fingerprints are all over this. My goodness. Um, you know, I, I wear my back brace except for in bed. I'm used to wearing it now. Um, I need to tighten it up just a little. But um, it's my calling card. As, I, as I'm taking my morning walks around our town, people I may know or, or people that I've only waved at before, they'll see this. And they'll, they'll come up and say, what happened to you? Or people that know I've had an accident will say, how are you doing? Well, guess what I say? Praise the Lord. He has spared me from death, paralysis. He has given me a second chance. I could be dead. I could be in a wheelchair. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.